Well, it's, uh, it's good to be pushing more into who we are in Christ as the world gets harder, as we're facing more things as Christians. We're seeing more and more pushback in the world against Christianity. And I was reading two stories this week of um, people who were in business who were pushed out of business because they were Christians. And so this is, I think, going to become more and more of a reality of the world that we're in. And so we need to be able to stand in who we are in Christ, even when people are pushing against us. Now, I wonder if you can remember what it was like before you came to faith in Jesus, before you received him by faith and trusted your, your, your life in his hands. For me, I can still remember, I really struggled with insecurity. And that was around my identity, who I was. Uh, and those feelings, uh, from that came feelings of anxiety about my life, especially about my future, what was going to happen. But also feelings of despair and hopelessness because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have a, uh, a purpose in life. But one of the things that I really love about who I am in Christ, about who I am as a Christian, is in Christ I have a new identity in Him. I've been born again and I have a new identity in Him. Not in myself, but in Him. That I'm forgiven, that I'm accepted, that I'm secure in His love, adopted into His family. These truths far surpass any identity the world might try and offer us. Now, I love this sermon series on identity for two main reasons. The first one is that it answers one of the big questions that everyone asks. Who am I? Who am I? And I believe only in Christ, only Christ has the answer to that. Why? Because he made us. He created us and therefore he knows what we need. But the second thing I love about this identity series is that each week we're reminded who we are in Christ. And it comes up against some of the lies that we believed about ourselves. Amen? And so it allows the Holy Spirit to show us these things and then to transform us as we say help. As we say help, because we need His help. It's so freeing to define ourselves on who Christ says we are, not who the world says we are, because it doesn't change. The world might say, oh, you're great one minute. And he says, you're rubbish. And, uh, the next, but the, where the Lord says, you're loved and you're secure in me. Paul Tripp stated, I'm not something because I am a great dad or a great surgeon or teacher or businessman or in the healthcare. I'm something because I'm in Christ, bottom line. And when I need something to be something, I've forsaken the gospel and the way I'm living. What Paul Tripp's saying there is you look to anything else for your identity, for your security, you're going to be left wanting. But if you look to Christ, you'll never be left wanting. And let's just be real for a minute. We don't deserve this new identity. We don't deserve the love of God. But the Bible, because the Bible makes clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all in the same boat here. We're all sinners, saved by grace. But because of God's great love, he invites us into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, we're born again. We're given the new spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
and we're given this new identity. And the great promise in this is that God doesn't just say, all right, that's it. You've come to me, that's it. No, he sends his spirit into us so that he can continue to transform us. Paul talks about this in Philippians 1.6. It's one of my favorite verses. I have it up on my wall and I look at it most days before I go out just to remind myself of the promise of God in me. It says, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That he, you know, when we come to Christ, that's not it. That's not the end of it. That's just the start of our journey of transformation. The work is entirely a work began and sustained by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit brought you to understand your need of Christ and it's the Holy Spirit who continues to sustain you as you live in Christ. I don't know if you see that two weeks ago, Gordon Fee passed away. Gordon Fee was one of um, the biblical scholars who wrote the empowering presence of God. And he said, if you read Paul's letters and don't understand he's talking about and it's all through the Holy Spirit, then you're not reading it right. That you need the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul's talking about there. But what's our part? What is our part in this transformation? What's our part in becoming more like Jesus each day of living from this identity? Well, as I was thinking about this, I looked to the, the book of Colossians where I think Paul's got some answers and it's going to appear on the screen. And if you've got your Bibles, I'd really encourage you to open them, whether you're there on your phones or whether you've got them uh, here in print. And this is what Paul says in Colossians. He says, so then just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Now, Paul in these verses is telling us we can't be passive after receiving Christ Jesus in how we live. We need to continue to live in him. That, that's action Paul's talking about. But how do we do this? Well, I think Paul has some answers here. But before we look at this, I want to be clear what it means to receive Christ Jesus as Lord. Because if we're not in Christ, then we can't continue in Christ in living our lives. Now, there may be some here this morning who've, who've been asking that question, who am I? You've been searching for answers and found any, or the ones you've tried have left you wanting. And as I've been speaking about being loved, being forgiven, being chosen, something in you has been saying, I want that. I want to be loved. I want to be secure in that love. I want to be chosen. I want to be forgiven. And I want to speak to you for a moment to tell you what it means to receive Christ into your life so that you too can be forgiven, loved, and have an eternal destiny and have a new identity. So what's it mean to receive Christ Jesus as Lord and receive this new identity? Well, for Paul, it means to receive the good news of Jesus Christ. It means to receive the gospel. Paul in verse six uses three names or two names and one title of Jesus to help us understand what it means to receive Christ. So let's have a look at each one of them. The first one, Jesus. This is Jesus' human name given to him by God the Father at his birth. It states that in Matthew's gospel. And it refers to his, the historical man name of the historical man, Jesus. 
Now, there's been a lot of rubbish put out that there's no evidence that Jesus actually walked this earth. And actually, you have to have more faith to believe that than to actually believe that there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth who did walk this earth. Even the historians around Jesus' time says there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth who had 12 disciples, who did miraculous things, who said amazing things, and whom his believers believed that he was resurrected. But what does that name Jesus mean? Because it gives us an understanding of what Jesus came to do. Jesus means saviour. It means saviour. And, and Paul says this in 1 Timothy. He is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That means we need to stand on this. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. So Paul knew he had been saved by God's grace. Jesus comes to save us. But he didn't do this just by dying on a cross, but he also rose from the dead again so that we could have life and life in all its fullness. That it means that we don't, you know, when we die, that's it. No, it means we receive eternal life and we go to be with God. So that's the first name and gives us an understanding that Jesus came to save us, to die on a cross and to rise again. And then the next word is Christ. This is actually a title that's given to Jesus. The word means Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. And the Messiah was the one who the Jews were waiting, what to do? To save them and to bring God's kingdom. And as you read the gospels, you see Jesus doing that. He brings the kingdom of God here on earth and people are healed, people are saved, the dead are raised. And as we receive Christ, that eternal life comes into us by his spirit. That's where Paul says, in Christ you are, in Christ you're alive, in him you are. So as we receive Jesus, it's in Christ that he dwells in us by his spirit. It's in Christ that you are hidden in him. As Colossians says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And it's in Christ we receive eternal life. So Jesus, Savior, Christ is the one in whom we live. And the last one is Lord. What does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our lives? Because that's what we're saying. If we're receiving the gospel, we're saying we have a new king over our lives. We're not saying anymore that I'm living for self. I'm now living for Jesus. And we sing, we sang, what was our last hymn, our last song? I, I surrender. I surrender what? All. That means our lives. That means everything. We surrender. That's what it means to, to receive the gospel. It means to be saved, to say, yeah, I'm a sinner, to receive Christ in you by the Spirit. And then it means to make him Lord. And he's good and he's merciful. He's not a dictator. He's the good shepherd who loves you. So just think about this. As we receive Christ, uh, Jesus as Lord, what happens? Our sins are forgiven. We receive new life and a new identity. And we have a new king over our lives who's eternally and good. Now I want to pause there for a minute. Because someone here might be saying, I want, I want Jesus as Lord. I want him as Savior. I want him as the Christ in me. And so I want to give you that opportunity. But maybe you're not ready for it yet. And so I'd really encourage you. There's an alpha going on uh, in Louis, but there's also an alpha going on in Bologna after Christmas. Uh, there, is a, there are Why Jesus booklets here. 
You know, Jesus was the most significant man to ever walk this earth. And as you receive him, your life is changed. How do I know that? Because he's changed my life. And he's changed just about every person's life in here who've received him. And I just want, a prayer is going to come up on screen, hopefully. And if you, if you want to receive Jesus as Lord, as your Savior, as your Christ, I just encourage you to say this with me now. So I want us all just to, to um, shut our eyes so no one is looking. But if you want to receive Jesus this morning as your Savior, as the Christ, as your new Lord, then let's just say this together. And you can say it really quietly if you don't want anyone else to know, but please come and tell me afterwards. Let's say this. And, and church, let's just say this together, actually, because it's good just to reaffirm what we believe. Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. And let's just take a few moments. If there are some significant things that the Holy Spirit has showed you or you've just been thinking on, just ask God for his forgiveness right now. Now let's say this. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time or you've recommitted your life, please come and see me or Isaac or one of the, of the people here. Tell your friend who came. That is the most significant moment in your whole life, that your destiny has changed, your identity has changed. You're now forgiven and loved and secure in that identity. Wow. But what does it mean for us to receive Christ, to put our faith and trust in him? And to play our part. Well, let's see what Paul goes on to say. So then, just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthen the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the first thing Paul states is, as you continue to live in Christ, since you receive Christ, be rooted and be built up in him. So if we want to continue to live in Christ, to grow in him, we need to be rooted and built up in him. Paul's not mixing his metaphors here as it, you know, he's not talking about a tree being rooted and then a house being built. Actually, that word rooted actually is, uh, means sinking your foundations, like a, a foundations of a building. So when I was in Turkey recently, I don't know if you, yeah, I saw lots, lots of houses who had had their foundation laid, but nothing else had been built upon it. And there were just hundreds of houses like this. And some of them were a lot worse than this. Um, they, had, um, they had trees growing around them and all kinds of things. Now, why is Paul saying, once you've received Christ, continue to live in him? Because he's really worried for this church in, in Corsair that they have received Christ, but they're not building their lives on him or in him. And that's what some people do. They use Jesus as a kind of a life insurance policy. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. But yet, they don't take it further. They don't dig down into who they are. So they get tossed around like the waves because they don't know who they are in Him. Receiving Christ is just the start of that building process. Jesus lays a firm foundation. As we accept Christ, He comes our firm foundation so that we can build our lives on Him. 
if we're, root, if we're not rooted in what Christ says about who we are, we'll find it really difficult to build our lives on him. We need to therefore, firstly, and it's like the, it's, it's, this is not brain science here. We need to what? We need to read the word of God to find out who we are. There's so many Christians who don't read the word of God and then they get swept around by the world because they ha- their identity isn't in Christ. They don't build on that firm foundation. I love what one commentator, he said, the Bible is about Jesus. It's not, the whole Bible is about Jesus. Therefore, we need to come to the scriptures fully expecting that we will encounter Christ and be transformed by his spirit. See, the word and the spirit work together. We don't read the Bible to gain more knowledge. And go, oh yeah, I know what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. I know what this says. Yo, this is what. No, we read the Bible to encounter God by his spirit. This is God's living word. It's powerful and effective to change us, to transform us. And when we're not in it, my goodness, we know about it. Bill Johnson, I was looking on Instagram and he said something, I'm not going to quote him completely, but he said, if you think that you as a Christian can live in this world at the moment by looking at your Bible once a week on a Sunday, you're sadly mistaken. The Bible is the word of God. It is living and powerful. And when we read it, we are drawn into a living, powerful relationship with Jesus, with our Savior. Now, just think for a moment of the truth that the Bible teaches us that we're no longer under any condemnation in who? In Christ. You can say it's all right, we're in church. In Christ, okay? No longer under any condemnation. Anyone ever felt condemnation? Does it feel nice? Oh, we've got another head of that. That's good, all right? We've got one person. Right. But you know what we do so often is when we sin and we make that same mistake, what do we do? We put ourselves under condemnation. We condemn ourselves. Oh, you stupid idiot. Oh, you, you know what I used to say on the golf course? You moron. You know, when I hit a bad shot, which was quite often, you know, and I would speak at Glenn's laughing because he can, he can, you know, not I'm saying you're a bad golfer, Glenn, but anyway, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know what? We, we, condemn ourselves or if we do that thing or say that thing again that's sin because let's all face it we're all weak aren't we but Christ says the Bible says you are no longer under any condemnation so what do we do when we sin well we just confess our sins it says this if we confess our sins he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness you see in Christ you are no longer under any condemnation It's gone. It's dealt with. The penalty has been paid. So you're not to feel like, oh, I'm just a mistake. No, you're not. I'm not. No, in Christ, I am more than a conqueror. Notice it's in Christ. It's not in me. It's not in you. It's in Christ. And if you don't know who you are in Christ, when the enemy enemy comes knocking, because what does he like to do? He likes to say, oh, you've done that again, haven't you? Ollie, what kind of Christian do you think you are? You're just a disaster. You should give up now. What kind of rector are you? You know, that is his. And what does he want to do? He wants to take you from your foundation in the truth and into lies. He's been doing it since the beginning. He's the father of all lies. 
But as we root ourselves in what God says about us, we can stand and we can say, uh-uh, devil, you ain't having none of your lies in my life. And if you have believed a lie, then just say, sorry, Lord. And I now ask you, Holy Spirit, to replace that with the truth. So that's the first thing. Get into the Word of God. The books of Colossians, Ephesians, and Philippians are amazing at finding out who you are in Christ. That's your new identity. The second thing is prayer. Prayer is an opportunity for us to come to God, our Father, and say, I need your help. It's an opportunity to bring God into our situations that we can do nothing about and see him do the miraculous. Not to depend ourselves in our own strength, but what? In Christ's strength. And prayer is an opportunity. It's really a declaration of just saying, God, I can't do this by myself and I need your help. As we root ourselves in him, in his word and in prayer, we encounter him as we go. Because prayer is not just about speaking, is it? It's about listening. It's about being transformed in the presence of God. Now, I know you all think the rector doesn't sin or that the rector's, no, but I struggle too. Do you know what I mean? And like two Thursdays ago, when I was trying to write this, this talk, it was not coming together. In fact, it was terrible. And I just thought, I started to believe this little voice in my head, what kind of teacher are you? You know, you're not going to be able to teach your, your, your congregation on Sunday. You're just going to confuse them. All these little lies started coming in. I was like, Ooh. and I started to become a bit deflated. So I was listening to some worship music from, from Bethel. And I, I, cannot, I didn't know who the worship leader is, so I clicked on the information. And it said, we're doing prophetic ministry in 20 minutes. If you want to come on, the team will pray for you. I went, oh, I need some prophetic ministry. Why? Because prophetic ministry builds up. It's why we pray for each other. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. So we, the gifts of the Spirit to build the church up. So I went on. And I was taken into this room of 150 other people who wanted prophetic words. I was like, oh, I think I'll just click close. You know that, uh, this isn't going to help me. Anyway, but something made me stay on. And then I was taken into this little group of eight on Zoom. And um, she went, the, this, the team went around the room. And then the, the girl said to me, the first thing she said to me, you're a teacher, aren't you? I went, oh, no, I'm not a teacher. No, no, I'm a pastor. She said, no, you're not getting this. She said, the Lord has given you the gift of teaching. And it was in that moment, I was like, that's who I am. I'm not listening to any of your lies, devil. I am a teacher. The week before that, I'm just giving you a, a little point of history in my life, all right? So, you know, taking, the, taking on the leadership of the church in lockdown, I wouldn't say was the easiest thing to do. Let's just be honest, all right? And there have been moments when I thought, you're not doing a very good job. And two Sundays ago was one of those moments where I was saying, you aren't doing a very good job. Because you can listen to eight people say, oh, that was wonderful. And the one person who comes up to say, oh, I didn't like <laughs> like this. And so I was feeling a bit like that after the service. And so I was encouraging people to come up for ministry. And I was thinking, well, you need ministry more than that of them. So I thought, right, I'm going to go up for ministry. So I did. And do you know what the person said? The Lord says you're doing a great job. See, the Lord knows what we need. It's as we build our lives up in him. That's where we pray. That's where we provide opportunities for prayer ministry. So, you, so we can hear God 
voice for each one of us and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. The prophetic's used to build up, to strengthen and comfort. So there you go. That's just a few wobbles that I've had over the last uh, couple of weeks. Because we're all human. But also here, Paul talks about, he says, as you continue to live in Christ, be strengthened in the faith as you were taught. So he's not talking about what you need to do. He's talking about what the church needs to do. The, the church in, in Colossae wasn't planted by Paul. It was planted by Epaphras. And he had gone and he had shared the gospel. People had come and then he taught them the truth. And what we want to do here, why we teach from the Bible, is because this is the truth. Jesus is the truth. I need to live your life from the truth because what the truth sets you free. It sets you free from the lies that the enemy... What does the enemy want to do? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. What does Jesus want to do? He wants to bring you life in all its fullness. How do we do that? We root ourselves in what he says about us. We pray and allow the Holy Spirit to change us and transform us. And then he says at the end... He says this, this is the mark of the Holy Spirit in your life. This is the mark of living a life where Jesus Christ is Lord. You'll be overflowing with thankfulness. Why? Because you know that it's nothing you've done and everything that he's done. That you were a sinner saved by grace. And that he loves you with a love you don't deserve. That he gave his life for you. In his son. Why? So that he could redeem you. That he can buy you back. So that you could again be a son and daughter of the most high God. You know, we only, I know when I'm overflowing with thankfulness. Because I've got my mind on Christ. I'm rooted. I'm like, woohoo! I'm a Christian. That I have a new identity. I'm thankful for all the things that that Christ has done for me and all the things of who I am in Christ. But when I take my eyes off Jesus, guess what happens? <sighs> it's a pity party and it's not very pleasant. Oh, woe is me. Oh, my life is so bad. You know, like this. No one else has invited it. It's just me. But when we invite Christ by his spirit into those times, it all changes. How do we do that? Well, one way is just through thankfulness. That's why thankfulness is so important because it reminds us of all that Christ has done for us. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Not in you, not in your strength, but in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you that you are almighty, but you are also close at hand because you are our Father. And that we can come into your presence with confidence and boldness to find grace for our time of need because of who we are in Christ. That we are chosen, that we can approach you with confidence. And it's all because of the truth of who we are in Christ. And I pray for each of you that you'd have a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? So that you would know him and know who you are in him. 
that you would know how deep and wide and high the love of Christ is for you and that nothing can separate you from that love in Christ. Because why? Christ has defeated the powers of the enemy. He's defeated death. He's defeated sin. And now we can live in him. So Holy Spirit, would you continue to transform us? Continue to teach us what it means to live in you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.